It's really great to be able to worship the Lord this morning, especially with all that's going on in our world. Uh, just now, last people, last year, people were worried about things like Brexit uh, or human trafficking or homelessness or climate change. But of course, this year, it's the coronavirus which has dominated all of the headlines. We've seen what it can do in countries like Spain or Italy. And although our government is doing everything it can to stop that from happening here, still this situation has reminded us just about how fragile we are. And so many people are afraid and worried. Their safety is in danger. Their livelihoods are threatened. Their future is uncertain. Peace and joy are very hard to experience. The city of Jerusalem in Jesus' day was also a place that was very far from being a place of peace. Its name probably meant a foundation of peace. But this city had seen more than its fair share of conflict and suffering. Since David established this as his capital city about a thousand BC, it had been attacked by the Egyptians, by the Philistines, by the Syrians, by the Babylonians, by the Greeks, by the Syrians. And it was finally conquered by the Romans around 60 years before Jesus was born. Jerusalem was again a city that was occupied under an oppressive regime ruled by a Roman governor. There was a lack of freedom and there was the fear of what the future held. Real peace and joy was in short supply. And yet despite this, On Palm Sunday, that very first Palm Sunday, this city was filled with shouts of joy and the promise of peace from God. It was an amazing celebration. But sadly, not everybody entered into that celebration and even more missed what it was all about. So today, we're going to have a look at this promise of peace where it's found, and how we can make sure that we don't miss it. So I want you to get your Bibles out, and we're going to read together in Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read from verse 28 to verse 44. So Luke chapter 19, verse 28, down to verse 44. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Tell him, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. 
They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came to the place where the road goes down to down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Now this event on that day was carefully organized by Jesus. He sent two of his disciples with this very clear mission to go to go to the village ahead of you and as you enter it you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever written, ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Now if that had been us we might have chosen a more impressive um, mode of transport. But for the people of Israel a donkey was an animal fit for a king. When David wanted everyone to know that he had chosen Solomon, his son, to be his successor, he said, have my son Solomon ride on my own mule and bring him down to Gihon, where he was anointed as king. But even more significantly than that, this is how 500 years earlier, Zechariah had prophesied that the king would enter into Jerusalem. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, he said. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Riding into Jerusalem that day, Jesus was making a really clear statement to Israel that he was their king. He was their Messiah. He was the anointed one that God had promised. But Jesus wasn't just God's chosen king. Israel was supposed to be a theocracy. God was supposed to reign over them. But Israel just wanted to be like all the other nations around them. And so they pressurized the prophet Samuel to anoint a man as king. That was because, as God said to Samuel, they have rejected me as their king. But on Palm Sunday, Jesus said to this city, this was the time of God's coming to you. He was not just the son of David coming to reign on his father's throne. He was the Son of God coming 
to the city that he had chosen. He was the one promised by Isaiah when he said, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This was the time of God's coming to Jerusalem. Because the one riding on that donkey was none other than the mighty God. And he was also the Prince of Peace. Jesus' choice of transport that day didn't only express his claim to be king, it also declared the kind of king that he was. He didn't come as a warrior on a powerful horse ready to defeat his enemies and through force and violence impose himself on them. Instead he came righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. Jesus came as the gentle one who'd call the weary and the burdened to find rest in him. He was coming as the righteous one who laid down his life on the cross for the unrighteous. He came as the saving one, ready to reach out and rescue all who were lost. And as a result, he is the Prince of Peace. He is the one who would bring reconciliation with God, peace to our troubled hearts, and harmony within his kingdom. Paul writes in Romans 5 that since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So no wonder that day the shouts of praise were blessed as the king who comes in the name of the Lord and peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Jesus entered into Jerusalem as the promised king, the son of God who would gently lead his people into peace. But not everybody was, was willing to welcome him as king. We read in verse 39 that some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. These guys were students of the Old Testament. So when they saw how Jesus entered into Jerusalem, they understood the symbolism. They knew that he was claiming to be the king. But they didn't want him to be their king. That's because he challenged both their beliefs and their status. The Pharisees, they were zealous keepers of the law that God had given to Moses. They believed that if they carefully kept all of those commands and kept away from all of those who didn't keep those commands, then they would be right with God. But Jesus challenged this. 
A little bit later that week, Jesus said to them, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside. But on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. Jesus saw through their pious pretense and their religious rituals. He saw the true state of their hearts, their hypocrisy, their pride, and their selfishness. But even more radically than that, he challenged the idea that anybody could work their way to being right with God. So he said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. According to Jesus, the blessings of being part of the kingdom of God, that joy and peace that only he can give, was not a reward for religious and good living people like the Pharisees. Instead, it was a gift. For everyone who admitted their guilt and came to God to receive his grace. And this also threatened the the Pharisees' status. They loved the the position of power and an influence that came with their role. Jesus said they loved the place of honour at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They loved to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. But if Jesus was coming as the true king, if he was coming as the leader of God's people, then all of this was about to change. They would no longer be on the VIP list. They were not at the front of that Palm Sunday procession. Instead they were just going to be lumped in with all the other sinners. And they couldn't accept that. And so they plotted to kill Jesus. And later at that week, on, on that week, when they were at uh, Jesus' trial, they declared, we have no king but Caesar. And folks, this is still the same challenge today on this Palm Sunday. If we want to experience the peace and the joy that Jesus can bring into our lives, then we need to accept him as our Saviour and our Lord. We need to admit our guilt and our powerlessness to make us right with God and humbly ask for his grace. And we need to step off the throne of our lives and humbly accept him as king. So today, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to accept Jesus as our saviour and Lord and receive the peace and the joy that he alone can bring? The Pharisees, they criticised Jesus And they missed out. But the disciples, they demonstrated their commitment to him. And they did this through a number of ways. One of them was 
through their obedience. When Jesus told two of them to go and get the colt, they went and found it just as they had been instructed, as Jesus had instructed them. And the owners, they willingly left their animal when they heard that the Lord needs it. They obeyed Jesus' command. That's because real wholehearted obedience is an expression of real wholehearted love. As Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. But the disciples also showed their commitment when they threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. And then others spread their cloaks on the road. That was a way of showing just how much Jesus meant to them. That they believed that Jesus was somebody who was so much more powerful than they were. Much like we use a, a red carpet today to show how important somebody is to us. And then their praise showed the same thing. It showed their love and their respect for Jesus, both for what he had done, as they praised God for all the miracles that they had seen, but also for who Jesus is, as they declared that blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. And of course, on Palm Sunday, we especially remember how they shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. This was a celebration of the salvation that Jesus was bringing. Because the Son of God, the Son of David had come. They were declaring that Jesus was the King. The one that they were trusting in for their salvation. Now of course, they didn't understand all of what this meant. They didn't understand that Jesus was on his way to the cross to provide that salvation. But they were committed to following him because they put their faith in him. Jesus had called them and they had left everything and followed him. And as a result, It was these guys who had something to celebrate that day, despite all the difficulties and all the challenges that they were facing and that they would face in the future. They'd been brought into Jesus' undefeatable joy and they'd experienced that peace that goes beyond all understanding. And folks, we can do the same today. If we commit ourselves to Jesus as our King, if we obey Him as our Lord, if we honour Him as our God, if we praise Him as our Saviour, then despite all the very real challenges and hardships that we face just now in our lives, we have every reason to celebrate. We can rejoice in his salvation and we can experience his peace guarding our hearts and our minds even in a time like this. So have you made that commitment? Have you committed your life 
to Jesus? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Saviour? This morning we've looked at that very first Palm Sunday. And we've seen the coming king. The critical Pharisees and the committed disciples. But there was another group. One final group of people that were there that day. That was the changeable crowd. On that day, the crowd looked a lot like the disciples. They shouted and they acted very much like them. If we'd been there, we may not be able to tell them apart from the disciples. But on Friday morning, the difference was obvious. Because when Pilate asked the crowd what he should do with the one called the King of the Jews, they all shouted, crucify him. So what happened? How could the crowd celebrate Jesus on the Sunday and then want to crucify him on the Friday? Well, I think part of the answer is that on the Sunday, this crowd were just going with the flow. It was the disciples who had led the procession of praise. The rest of the crowd had just followed their lead. But they hadn't made the same commitment to Jesus. They were simply kind of caught up in the excitement and the joy of that day. And so when the tide turned against Jesus, well, they just again went with the flow. And rejected him. Matthew records how the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. This is why Jesus wept on this on Palm Sunday. He knew that their welcome was only superficial. He said. If you had only known what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The crowd never really welcomed Jesus into their hearts. And so they missed out on the peace with God that he had come to bring them. And so they were heading for judgment. The judgment that we read in our passage about the destruction of Jerusalem. And it's actually possible for us to be in that same situation today. We could this morning look the part. We could sing the songs. We could say and do all of the right things. But in reality, we could be here this morning without ever having welcomed Jesus into our lives. Into our hearts as king. Never having personally accepted Jesus as our saviour and lord. We could just be this morning going with the flow. And without that commitment to Jesus, that personal faith in Jesus, then we too will miss out on all of the peace And the joy that Jesus came to bring. I think there was another reason why this crowd turned against Jesus. About 200 years earlier. Judas Maccabeus. He had led a revolt against a Syrian king. Who had conquered and oppressed Jerusalem. 
Against the odds, he defeated this Syrian army, and amid great rejoicing, he had marched into Jerusalem to free his people from tyranny. But now, Israel was under another foreign superpower. They again wanted a saviour who would free them from the oppression and bring back the peace and the prosperity that they longed for. So when they saw Jesus riding into Jerusalem that day, many thought that this time had come. Maybe that's why they grabbed those palm branches. Because they were a usual part of the Passover celebration as people sang from Psalm 118 with bows in hand, join in the festival procession up to the horns of the altar. But since the days of the Maccabees, palm branches were also a nationalistic symbol of Judea. Waving them expressed their hope That this Messiah would bring them political freedom and prosperity. But Jesus said that my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus hadn't come to destroy the Romans, but to destroy death. Jesus hadn't come to bring them political power. But peace with God. Jesus hadn't come to free them from their enemies, but from their sin. Jesus hadn't come to bring them earthly prosperity, but eternal life. And he hadn't come to be the king that they wanted. Instead, he came to be the saviour that they needed. And today, Jesus wants to be that same saviour to us. He wants to come into our lives as king. Not to give us everything that we want, but everything that we need. He doesn't promise earthly riches or prosperity. Or even protection from all harm or all hurt in this world. But he does offer life to the full. To those who accept him, he promises, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. So this is what we've been looking at this this morning, folks. On Palm Sunday, Jesus came as king. Some rejected him, preferring their own brand of religion and status. But some looked the part, but they failed to commit their lives to him. But some opened up their hearts and welcomed him as their saviour and their lord. And they entered into the joy and the peace that he alone can give. And my prayer is that that would be our response this morning. That we would not miss God's peace. But we would welcome Jesus as king of our lives once again. Let's just pray.
Father God, I just thank you. Thank you for this Palm Sunday when we can remember Jesus' wonderful, triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Father, thank you that he came to be king. To be the the king, to be our king and to be our God. To be our saviour and to be our Lord. Thank you that he didn't come to be the king that we wanted, but to be the saviour that we needed. And we just pray that you would help us to welcome him into our lives. To to bow before him. To admit our need of him. To allow him to, to come and to reign. And to come and to transform our lives. And to fill us with the joy and the peace that he alone can give. Lord, we just thank you and we just praise you for Jesus this morning. And Lord, I just pray that each one of us would live as part of his kingdom. With him at the centre. With him on the throne. As he alone deserves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.